and welcome to Folio de Episode Six. Well, here seven? I've written six. I've written six, but then the bag of chips was episode six, wasn't it? Bag of chips, bag of chips and chips and dips for six pound. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that was episode is a drag queen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've not done this well. Start again or keep on going? Keep on, keep Wonderful. on It's fine. episode six. <laughs> yep, um, Bag of chips was episode <laughs> five. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Sorry. We had a week off and we're not on it yet. Congratulations for making it this far. Yeah. Please keep on listening. We will sort this out. I got a request today oh. from someone at uni approached me. And said, oh, do the uni bomber, like out of context. <laughs> Hello? It's like, oh, I really How often do you talk to this human? Quite a lot, to be fair, okay. but it's very out of nowhere. Need to do an episode about the uni bomber. And I was like, oh, well, I do try and pick kind of vaguely lighthearted things or things that I can do quite quickly and kind of condense into a good story. He's like, oh, okay. Oh. So that went down well. So are you doing the uni bomber? Uh, no. No. Okay. We should do that for one of our like big hitters big or whatever we're going to call it. Mm-hmm. Basically, Elle and I decided a couple of weeks ago that every 10 episodes, maybe, the hat is gone. <laughs> Man down. I've just thrown Elle's hat on the ground. Just going to be there. Every 10 episodes, we are going to do like a big one. It's the only way I know how to talk about it now. A so big like, old boy episode. Yeah, like um, a Manson family. Yeah, or like Ted Bundy. Yeah, something like that. GSK. Yeah, which needs like a lot of fee to get like the best version of the story. I feel like it's something we're both, we're both, we both have to spend time on, and maybe take parts of the story each. But we're not sure how to do that. So if anyone has any kind of ideas kicking about, let us know. What have you been up to? It has been my favourite day of the year. It's been the equivalent of my Christmas because I don't celebrate Christmas. It's yeah, been... you do now. I do now. Ever since I did this year. Yeah. But Pancake Day is the highlight of my year. <laughs> and I just, I love, for everybody else, it's a normal day. You go home and you have pancakes for dinner. For me, it's pancakes for breakfast. I had pancakes at work. I went home and had more pancakes. Did you? I, it's all I will eat, just pancakes upon different types of pancakes. I had scotch pancakes at work, American pancakes, crepes. What's your favourite? Sorry, it's like probably asking about like a favourite child, isn't it? A little bit. My favourite, purely because it's what my dad used to make, is like thin pancakes, mm-hmm. golden syrup, that's it. Okay. Simple. Sweet. Uh, I'm thin pancake. Mm-hmm. Sugar. Also, mm, I did one of mine, one of my many pancakes <laughs> on Tuesday. It was sugar and a tiny bit of cinnamon. Oh. And that was really good. Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a thin crepe kind of girl. I'm not all about an American style pancake. I am not on pancake day. Oh. Okay. Because I've had pancakes quite recently anyway, on like the 15th of February. Well, you're not planning ahead. Well, I do. I have to give enough space so that I'm not eating pancakes yeah. every week. But I had American pancakes then. Oh, okay. So, 
pancake dough is traditional. And I am a Catholic lady, apparently, according to someone. So I have to eat traditional pancakes. Oh, okay. What but is I a traditional pancake? Uh, flour, egg, milk, nothing else. Oh, that's what I go for. Bit of butter in there just to make it, a, gives it a bit oh, of a Oh, that's kick. against God's will. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. God. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm really upset. Honestly, obviously. Not on pancake day. Not on pancake day. day. On a different day. Mm-hmm. Um, cut a couple of bits of cubes of butter in and mix it in with your, um, mm. like, mix and it just gives it like a if it's low pack gives it like a salty it's mm. tasty it's real tasty i'm gonna try that i might have pancakes tonight oh, i can't have that I'm so full i got pancakes tonight you could have pancakes tonight if it's god's will it is a couple of days late yeah jesus well jesus rose three days later didn't he four days later some amount of days later some days exactly did you see the really jiggly pancake that i made yeah what was that i don't know what happened uh like it formed a seal in the pan uh-huh. and it just started to rise but you could like yeah was there a video it? of yeah. scott prodding it there's my hand and he was like oh was it touch yours it, touch it and i was like <laughs> yeah that did look hilarious was mm. it slow-mo yeah yeah funny it's a very weird experience yeah, I actually, I'm really sorry to upset you here. It's the first year of my life I've never had pancakes on Pancake Day. Did Denny and the family have pancakes? Denny and the family did not. Denny <gasps> didn't buy any plain flour. Denny. So I woke up, went to have some pancakes, and there was no flour. Oh, are you a breakfast pancaker? I'm a whatever day. Well, I was at uni from 9 till 11, so I came back after uni uh-huh. to pancake. Then I just, like, came back to eat. To, work, mm. to the house even and then I looked in the thing and I was like oh it's no no flour so I went into in the house and I was like dad there's no flour because I'm the least I'm so independent in life but when it comes to things around the house and he was like oh I'll get mum to get some tonight but then uh, I didn't eat any mm. so and then I went to make some today and there was still no plain flour so Denny's gonna get a chat really because uh she'll never talk to you when you get home it's not good enough at the end of the day broken <clears throat> no but that's the I mean, the highlight of my week it's genuinely like my christmas <laughs> i'm so pleased i didn't know i would have gotten you a, a gift pan maybe a pan? <laughs> <laughs> i already have a pan that is only for pancakes do you yeah it's a really specific my mum also commented on it i sent a video of my partner Scott, flipping pancakes uh-huh. to like my mum and dad. And my mum couldn't stop laughing at Scott's reaction when he managed to end. flip a pancake. Yeah. My dad said something really strange like, excellent pan control and what a good quality pan. <laughs> wow. It's not, it's not yeah. what I was getting at there. Such dad. a positive response. Say, Happy pancake day. <laughs> yeah, his face was like, woo. Afterwards, like oh, so buzzing. The rest of it was fantastic, but I didn't film that bit uh, where he just like raised up his arms, but with the p- <laughs> he was just like, hey. <laughs> surprised it didn't go through the ceiling without all that boils. Aside from not having any pancakes, uh huh. How has your week been? Great, really, really nice. I today managed to secure some tickets to Shark Married Annoyed Live, oh. which I'm really excited about. Um, that's one of my favourite podcasts um, and I'm going with my friend Chloe who I also won my Bali trip with 
Um, so we're having an exciting year and I had a nice little break last weekend, um, like a long weekend mm-hmm. in Switzerland oh. with my fam. Um, it looks beautiful. It, the weather was so nice. I um, got on the train from Geneva and then we get the train from Geneva to somewhere called Aigle, Aigle, something like that. Sorry if I offend anyone. And then the I get picked up from Egg to Fila. Then we drive. In that train journey, I rang Dad and I was like, oh, I'm on the wrong side of the train. And basically, you sit on one side of the train and you've got to look through. You've got like a perfect view of the lake. And the other one, oh. there's just like tons of people's heads in the way. Mm. But I don't know whether you see my video. It is beautiful. It's like my favourite train journey in the world. I didn't even know I had one of those. But I could sit on that train forever. And Dad was like, you won't even see it anyway because it's so cloudy. It's clear as day. And then as I was going up the mountain, we kind of chased the cloud up the mountain. So by the time I got into the slopes, it was so fine. It was not a problem. And like my family had came down from the slopes earlier on that day Mm -hmm. because of how awful the weather was. (laughs) So it was a win situation for me. But it's the first time I felt so genuinely happy in so long where I just like, it was so nice. Just relax. Yeah. No uni problems. Like I didn't pick up my Mac at all to do anything. Just chilled. So yeah, really, really nice, nice week. Um, we're sorry that we didn't do a episode last week. Last week, yeah, we were super busy. You had a lot on at uni, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And then I decided to jet off um, on the Friday, so we didn't manage to get that done. Um, but hopefully, this one's going to make up for it. Well then. This is the Noida serial murders of 2006. Oh, recent. So, just going to get right on it. In 2003, I got this from... I didn't get this in 2003. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I got a lot from The Guardian, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I got some things from a blog, um, which was all you need to know about the Nathari serial killings Mm -hmm. by pleaders. Um, I got a timeline from something called Scoop Whoop. Ooh, Scoop Whoop. And I believe that's everything. Um, oh, and then I got some stuff from Business Insider. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2003, an abnormally high number of women and children were reported missing from a small village called Nathari in Noida, in India. And the families file tons of missing person reports uh, to the police, Mm -hmm. but no action is taken. So like, I think 17, maybe, at this point, uh, 15. 15? Kids go missing. Yeah, families are making like missing person reports and the police, no actions, nothing. This sounds like the beginning of Stephen King's It. It's just children gone, left, right, Well, this is the thing. They're like 14, mostly around that age. Some are older, some are younger. But they just go missing and no one bats an eye in terms of police. Um, Then in February of 2005, a 14-year-old girl named Rimpa Holder. I don't have all of the names Mm -hmm. of the people who unfortunately went missing because... Because the police didn't care? The police didn't care, and there's nothing online. I actually, it was really hard to find anything about this online. Mm-hmm. 
and she went missing on the 8th of February in 2005. Her parents made several attempts to register a missing person's report um, with police, but they were also unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. So in March 2005, a month later, a group of boys are playing cricket and find a plastic bag behind the house um, D5, and in that plastic bag is a hand. Yeah. And the boys, yeah, um, no, we're not sure. The boys tell the police that they found this hand, which we assume is a human hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but the police said that it was part of an animal. Oh. Yeah, like a carcass. And asked for the villagers to forget the incident, as there was nothing wrong, so there was nothing to worry about. In a plastic bag. In a plastic bag, a hand. But they were like, oh, it's just an animal. Natural causes. Don't worry about it, nothing to worry about, like... Maybe they were taking it to the butchers. Um, and there are statements that are actually made in court following everything that happens later to confirm that that was actually said. I just realised I didn't do something, so I need to look it up now. <laughs> oh. I'm so sorry. That is fine. You completely. So, the person whose house this is is called Maninda Singh Panda, um, and he's a rich and politically connected Punjabi businessman. Mm-hmm. And he also has a servant called Surrender Kohli, um, who used to look at the house because he was a businessman, he used to leave quite often, Kohli mm-hmm. would be there looking after the house. So in May of 2006, a girl named Payal tells her father about going to Panda's bungalow but then she is never seen again. However, Panda wasn't actually in Noida that day. He was on one of his business trips. Okay. And Kohli was home that day, um, but he completely denies knowing anything about Payal or ever seen her. Mm-hmm. And she said she was going to meet Panda? She said she was going to their house, yeah. Okay. Payal's father, Nand Lal, went to the police to register a missing persons report for his daughter but police refused to register it and disregard his wishes. So he approaches the police every day for a month and finally gives up and goes to the Noida SSP, which is the senior superintendent of police, um, and asks them for help in the June. Um, So the SSP then orders the police to register Nandlal's complaint about his missing daughter and this, they start their own investigation, finally, mm. after all of this time. And which is three years there. Oh my god. Yeah. So once they start their investigation, they look into her phone. Uh-huh. And turns out Payal's phone was still in use and police had managed to trace its location. That's impressive for two thousand and three. Right. When you've probably got some kind of Nokia phone. Yeah. It's a brick though, isn't it? Yeah, That'll indestructible. survive anything. They then check the call details for Payal's number mm-hmm. and this leads to Corley, Ooh. who called her a day before she went missing. And said that he didn't know who she was, mm-hmm. had no Hadn't seen her that her. day, even though he'd rang the day before. Mm. So police arrest, police? Police. Police arrest Corley for further investigation. However, Panda gets him released soon after, so he pays his bill and he just gets mm. him home. The problem was, police couldn't find anything that linked Payal or anything that could possibly point them in the right direction. 
for the whereabouts of where she could actually be. They know she told her dad that she was going there, but from then on, there's absolutely nothing. So had her phone stopped being used at that point? Was it inactive? Yeah, it still said it was in use, but um, it actually didn't say where it was, oh. so I didn't pick up on that. Maybe it was still on so they could check the call details. Uh-huh. I don't know. Sorry. I'll or be maybe just that like, her number is still active. Yeah, just to see that it's not being yeah. switched off or anything like that. Or that you haven't like cancelled all of your accounts and... Ran away. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Somebody somewhere is still paying that phone Yes, bill. absolutely. So they can't find anything or anywhere pointing to where she might be. Um, but they do solidly believe that some way or another... Coley is involved. Mm-hmm. So, understandably upset with the fact that he's still getting no answers, Nandlal, who's Payal's dad, approaches the court on the 7th of October in 2006, so mm-hmm. a couple of months later. Um, the court ordered the police to investigate again. Mm-hmm. This whole thing, whilst I was looking it up, is just so frustrating because the police seem to be like the last thing they want is to help the situation. I'm like, it's an inconvenience. Like, oh, this guy's here again. Yeah. I still don't know where she is. And he keeps having to go above the board to get anything done mm-hmm. and for anything to become of it, which, as I was looking, seemed very similar to my dissertation situation. <laughs> so I feel for the guy. <sighs> oh. On investigation, the police discover lots of plastic bags filled with human skeletons from the drain located behind the house. Yeah. Human this time. Human. No animal hand. No, no. Hand of an animal is also not something that sits well with it's me. Classic monkey. It must be a gorilla. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or just fell off. Yeah. Known. Unreliable. Mm-hmm. Actually, the connection between the wrist and the hand of a monkey yep. pops off. Yeah. Especially into plastic bags. Oh, God, yeah. As soon as they touch a plastic bag, Boop. just... <laughs> yeah. Gone. <laughs> pops off. Um... <laughs> So, on the 29th of December in 2006, three years after the first disappearance, Panda and his servant, Coley, are both arrested. Uh, the day after this, even more skeletons are excavate, ex- excavated mm-hmm. from the drain, but not much evidence is found against either suspect. So, how many total skeleton it's not known yet oh, it's God. just a lot of bones mm. um different sizes and different stuff so they don't know they can't piece definite... them together into oh. humans yeah they just know that they're in a drain behind these guys ha- this guy's house and there's a lot of things coming out but because there's no evidence it's hard to be like it is you because mm-hmm. it's the it's not the drain in the house it's a drain behind the house so like the no- the drain everyone uses yeah so the discovery of these skeletons isn't sufficient enough to even prove that it's a murder. Oh, okay. Um, but the discovery of all of these bodies, well, that's probably, to be fair, in the police's eyes. Mm. But the discovery of all these bodies forces the whole country and everyone in it to start demanding justice. Because mm-hmm. it's like there's many bodies where they come from. Yeah. The investigation of Payal's case then forces the investigation of all of these other missing children. Um, and due to all the pressure from the public, the CBI take over the case on the 11th of January, 2011. Tell me more about the CBI. I'm glad you asked. 
it's the Central Bureau of Investigation and like the of FBI, India, but basically. India. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like they take all of the big ones. Mm-hmm. So they take that case over on the 11th of January 2007. That day alone, another 30 bodies, bones, sorry, not bodies, another 30 bones are discovered near Pandey's house. And then two days after, a team of 30 like sleuths and forensic detectives are sent out to survey more drains. Yeah. Over the next few days, more remains are found in two different drains and more skulls are recovered too. So it comes to a death count of 17. Yeah. So there's nine female children, two male children and five adult women in there as well. Oh my God. Which is 16. Here we go. So on January the 27th, they rule out the possibility of organ trade being the motive for all the murders. Okay. Which I didn't even think about I that didn't. being something at all. And didn't think that during all of this, that would, or any murder, that they would think organ trade would be in. But I think, I don't know whether that's because of where we live mm. or something like that. But on February the 8th in 2007, a special CBI court sends Panda and Coley to 14 days of CBI custody. Okay. It's interesting that they seem to have different rules. So, like, if you're taken into police custody, you've got 24 hours to charge. Yeah. Whereas they can yeah, I don't take know you for quite a like while. Warranted uh-huh. kind of thing. Because okay. um, that was from the 27th of January to the 8th of Feb. Mm-hmm. That's like 14 days. Yeah. So they might have had to go through like a lot of tunnels to get that. And on March the 1st in 2007, Coley recorded his confessional statement in a Delhi court. Yeah, so he completely confesses. CBI was unable to find any evidence against Coley. Oh, and wow. even after 60 days of police custody, they applied to the magistrate to have Coley's confession recorded. And on the 27th of February 2007, stating that he was willing to confess. Ooh. Yeah. So Coley's confession was recorded by the magistrate. And in his confession, Coley gave a detailed account of how he lured the victims into the house, murdered them, and then attempted to have sex with the <gasps> bodies. Yeah. Chopped the dead bodies up and ate their body parts. Oh, 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 that's made me shiver. Yeah. And then threw the remains in the drain at the back of the bungalow. There's not much left by the sound of it. No. So, according to his confession, he is a servant at Pandit's house. And he's just killing people while he's gone away from business. Yeah, exactly. His family resided in a different part of the country, so he just stayed there. So... According to his confession, um, Coley is just a servant of Panda's house and Panda used to live alone in the bungalow and his family resided in a different part of India. Mm-hmm. Apart from them, there was another domestic servant named Maya, a gardener and two drivers employed by Panda okay. in his house. So I think everyone is living in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the murders were done by Coley, apparently, in the drawing room between 9am and 4pm. That's very specific. Yeah. And strangely enough, after each killing, 
he would carry the body upstairs to the bathroom, chop it up into small parts in the bath. Mm -hmm. He would then leave the bathroom in exactly the condition that it is and only after cooking some of the body parts and eating them, he would then go back up to the bathroom. And clean. And clean, yeah. And it's mad to believe that during that 9am till 4pm situation, no one not one person went in that bathroom and not one person was in that house because a lot of other people lived there as well. Um, but, I mean, I'll leave the kitchen a mess if I've made something, mm-hmm. quickly made it, eat it, and then go back to clean up the kitchen. But he's leaving dead humans just... Lingering. Yeah. Massively sadistic. Um, But yeah, um, like neither Panda nor any other person employed by him noticed all of these things. Um, And none of them were tried as a witness in trial either. So, yeah, I know. So in March the 22nd, so 21 days after his confession, the CBI gave a clean chit to panda but indicated Coley as a cannibal charging him with the rape of 20 year old Payal as well oh. yeah CBI joint director Aaron Kumar said Coley cooked a breast of the first woman he murdered oh. and ate it he ate the arm of the second woman and the liver of his third victim did he say why he was eating them no oh um, Kumar said and then added that Panda was not in the house at the time of the killings. Mm. Um, so the CBI filed a second charge on April the 10th, 2007, mm-hmm. in the killing of 20-year-old Pinky Sarkar. Mm-hmm. Um, Coley is charged with abduction, rape and murder. Um, and Panda was spared again. Mm-hmm. So didn't think he had anything to do with it. May 11th, 2007, a CBI court asks the agency to take a fresh look at Panda's role in all of this. Yeah. Um, Till now, they've filed 16 charges and the court has framed charges of rape and murder um, against Coley. And now, they frame charges of rape and murder against Panda in six cases. Oh, yeah. okay. So they must have aligned the times, maybe seen when he was in and when yeah. he wasn't in the country um, and gone from there. So it must have just been at that one time where they weren't in. Mm-hmm. So February the 13th, 2009, Coley was convicted and sentenced to death by a special CBI court for the rape and murder of 14-year-old Rimpa Haldar, mm-hmm. um, one of the several victims of the alleged grizzly killings in Nathari in 2007. Mm. So I think they thought she was murdered by someone else. Yes. But turns out it's actually him. Um, September 2009, Panda and Coley were both sentenced to death by the trial court. The Allahabad, Allahabad High Court and acquitted Panda of the crime, but confirmed Coley's death sentence. I think sometimes you've got to look at this and think Panda was the owner of the house. 
he was a businessman, he had mm. high, people in high places, the other guy was a servant, looking at it. So I don't know whether the hierarchy of the two people have something to do with the difference in sentences, or whether, mm-hmm. time-wise, they just couldn't prove it. Yeah. On January the 7th, 2010, the Supreme Court stayed the death sentence of Surinder Coley, mm-hmm. um, and he's the prime suspect accused in the Nathari serial killings case. And domestic help, of, with the domestic help of business businessman um, Panda? Yeah. On May the 4th, 2010, Coley is found guilty of the murder of Artie Prasad, who was seven years old, and handed a second death sentence on May the 12th. On September the 28th, 2010, Coley is handed a third death penalty. Oh, yeah. God. This time for murdering eight-year-old Rashna Lal, who is the daughter of a labourer, um, Papu Lal. Uh-huh. On December 22nd, 2010, Coley is handed a fourth death sentence. Yeah. On February the 15th, 2011, and the Supreme Court upheld the death sentence of Coley mm-hmm. on December 24th, 2012. So basically on February the 15th, 2011, the Supreme Court confirmed that he still had it and they maintained that he still had the death sentence. Um, On December 24th, 2012, which is Christmas Eve, what are you doing Christmas Eve? Coley was found guilty of the June 4th, 2005 murder of Chotti Kavita, who was five. I know. It was, it was young kids. Yeah. There was one a little bit older, but most of them were like, like really Under young. 10. Yeah. Um, oh. And he's given a fifth death sentence there. In September the third, two thousand and fourteen, the court if you if you if you if you bless you, Amy. <laughs> the court issued a death warrant against Corley. Again, so this was, I think, putting it into, a death warrant puts it into... Motion. Yeah. And then July the 22nd, 2017, the court convicts Panda and Coley in the Pinky case. Two days later, on July the 24th, 2017, they're both sentenced to death for serial rape and murder. So on that one... Panda is also included. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the eighth of the 16 murder cases in which the judgment has been delivered in this whole murder case. Um, The judgments on the the eight cases are yet to be delivered. Mm -hmm. And it's been almost 11 years, so this was the last one I could find of it, since the case first came to light. Um, And the families are still waiting for judgment. I... um, looked up the most recent um, document was dated 2019 okay. and as of today from what I know Coley has received 10 death sentences and Pandora has received two uh-huh. out of the five that he was um, indicted for yeah but we can't I can't find like names or mm. when they were sentenced um, it was just from this timeline that I found so that's 
yeah, I think, I believe there was, yeah, 16 murder cases. Yeah. Wow. It's mad. And, um, but the reason I picked this case for this week was because, you know, I love my drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I'm was... not taking drugs. No, no, not taking drugs, gosh, no. Um, yeah, like learning about drugs and knowing yeah. about them. Um, and I was talking to one of my mates at the time and we were talking about, I think I said something about like, oh, just give them truth serum. Because we were talking about, I think it was Ted Bundy and how like so many murders go unsolved and you just love to like... Know what happened. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we'll just give them truth serum. And he was like, I don't think that's a thing. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's a thing. So on the Google I went. Um, turns out... It was used during this investigate interrogation Ooh. even. Um, and is still, according to the World Wide Web, um, being used in India even now. What? Yeah. So, a little bit about the drug. Mm-hmm. Sodium pentothal is a type of barbiturate, mm-hmm. um, which is normally abused because of its effects. Um, and they are central nervous system depressants colloquially known as like downers you get your downers and you get your others yeah yeah and so it slows down your body's process to transmit information to your brain Mm -hmm. and are commonly prescribed on medicines for like pain relief sedation relaxation and blood pressure Mm -hmm. um but they're also used for confessions um and from what i've worked out is it basically slows down your brain to the point where it's very difficult to lie okay really interesting right um, but it doesn't mean you can't lie, but you've got to be like super Switched on it on. to be able to do so. Um, cause like, do you know how people talk about like alcohol mm-hmm. being like a truth syrup and like yeah. alcohol, what is it? A drunk, a drunk mind speaks a sober heart or something. Oh, the most shit I've ever heard. Yeah. But like, <laughs> that's the thing. Like everything comes out when someone's drunk and mm. I think this is very similar, whereas it's just like, you if someone asks you a question, you say whatever. Mm -hmm. So a dose of sodium pentothal is thought to be given to an uncooperative suspect in an attempt to elicit a confession. Some detectives in India still swear by this so-called narco-analysis, despite India's highest court ruling that it was not only unreliable, but also cruel, inhumane, and just degrading. Like, it is literally... In America, they talk about it removing your Fifth Amendment. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's your right. Your silence is your right. Yeah. Um, where these guys are just like, no, no, give you that. Um, I wonder how it's administered. I think it's... Well, there was a photo of someone being injected on the top of the Guardian website. Oh. So, I think it's just... It looked like the flu jab on the top of your arm. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but there are no official figures for the number of suspects who have been subjected to narco-analysis. But V.H. Patel, um, who's the deputy director of the Directorate of Forensic Scientists in India, Mm -hmm. told The Guardian um, he personally conducted narco-analysis in nearly 100 cases. Um, He estimates that his lab gets requests for narco-analysis about three to four times a month. And he insisted that the procedure's safe and ethical. He said, there is no violence involved. It's a good methodology, methodology even, 
that helps the investigation. Yeah, he said, after all, there has to be justice for the victims if we conduct narcoanalysis on a terror suspect. Everyone kicks up a fuss, but what about the people who have suffered? Mm-hmm. So I do get his mindset on that. I do, but what if you're doing that to an innocent person? Well, this is the thing. The person who the drug is administered to is generally too woozy to volunteer a lengthy explanation. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're injected and then they're like, so this is what happened. I did this, I stuffed them, I ate them, it was great. Like, <laughs> tasted like chicken. <laughs> He's like, you've got to kind of probe specific certain questions and clues. You're teasing it out of them. Exactly, which to be fair, sounds like a forced confession. Yeah. It sounds like someone could be easily persuaded under this drug to tell the truth that the police want to hear. That's not the real rather than truth. What, yeah, very much like, it's pretty much like hoying someone up in a room for 24, 40 hours like they did with like the Central Park Five and stuff mm. like that. But Patel says he doesn't believe there's any side effects to the drug and he doesn't think it's harmful. Let's um, make him take the truth serum. And see what he and says. And we'll see how he feels afterwards. But because these guys had already been dubbed diabolical maniacs um, by the media and written off as like these awful people um, even before they were charged, mm-hmm. not many people objected to the use of it yeah. on those two. So within hours, juicy transcripts of their drug-induced confessions were leaked to the media, with Corley recounting how children were lured into their house to be raped and killed and their mutilated remains dumped in the surrounding drains. Confessions in police custody are usually inadmissible Mm -hmm. as evidence in court, um, let alone those obtained under the influence of narcotics. But no one was prepared to stick up for the psychopath panda and the cannibal Coley, who apparently confessed to all of this under this drug. Ooh. I know. So truth serum is a thing. Mm -hmm. Not 100%, but... There are drugs that can make you say things you don't want to say, I guess. Oh. Not very nice. Not very nice one. I'm always worried about that. And this is such an irrational fear. But it's ever since I watched Making a Murderer, uh-huh. where they managed to coerce his young nephew into admitting to something that didn't happen. Yeah. How easily manipulated you can be when someone wants you to give them the truth. Especially that young. Mm-hmm. Like, he was so, so young. And he's not of a quite a low mental ability, isn't he? Yeah. So, if I was young and someone was saying, but you did do this, didn't you? I'd just be like, oh, guess I, I guess and I did. And someone says they'll let you go if mm-hmm. you just tell us yeah. what happened. Everything will be okay if you just tell us what happened. Forced confessions yeah. infuriate me so much. It's scary mm-hmm. that people can be manipulated into doing or saying that they committed this horrible crime and then years later DNA is like, ah, no, no they didn't. didn't. Uh, yet again, I've accidentally done a story from California, which I feel like I didn't realise how much crime was happened going over on. there. Yeah. So much. I think America like, in general. of my stories have been in California. I'm starting to not want to go. You did a British one last week, didn't you? I did. Dennis. Oh, the week before? Dennis. Good old Denny. No. No, no, no. No, Denny is not a serial killer that hides people under the floors. (laughs) This This one is, again, 
very morbid. And I do apologise, because we did agree to do a, a true crime comedy podcast. Yeah, we're not that funny anyway. <laughs> I'm not funny. This isn't funny. Here we go. Right. I'm excited. So, this is the story of Cameron and Janice Hooker. Oh. Which I had never read before. And again, deep diving on Reddit, got into a bit of a tangent and found this. I went on Reddit this week. Have you never been on Reddit before? No. Oh my God. I know. It's like my source of weird information. I couldn't get over it. I had to ask people. <laughs> I had to ask how it worked. But once I understood it, I did. <laughs> I, I got into it. Mm-hmm. There still wasn't Some good e- shit on Reddit. Well, the thing was, I was like, what? There is nothing. I need something. Mm-hmm. I'll go on Reddit. Uh, there wasn't really much on Reddit about it, to be fair. Really? I know. Unless I'm using it wrong, which is probable. <laughs> but yes, as you were. I'm disappointed in the Reddit community. Actually, I take that back. Um, so, we're in California. Mm-hmm. It's 1975. Cameron, Hooker and Janice are a newlywed couple. Mm-hmm. This is 75. Okay. Just setting the scene a little bit. Storytelling. Good beginnings, never an ending. <laughs> That's how we start. There we go. <laughs> they met when Hooker was 19 and Janice was 15, mm-hmm. which at that time wasn't particularly unusual. Yeah. She had been abused by her family mm. and she had kind of had no sentimental or positive relationships with anybody else. That's really Before sad. she met Hooker. Like, no friends, no family. She didn't have anyone in the world that she trusted until she met him. But this meant that she was really submissive by nature just from kind of the abuse that she'd endured when she was younger and she herself had admitted no matter how good or how rotten a guy was to me I just latched on to him that's really sad that she knew herself yeah that that was not good she also described herself as the kind of person who gave in just so somebody would love me which is heartbreaking Sorry, I'm gonna have to go to you soon (laughs) Someone make me pancakes. <laughs> That's all I've ever wanted. <sighs> so during the course of their early relationship, bearing in mind she's still 15. Mm-hmm. That's a young age to be feeling like that. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And to know that you have that kind of personality at such a young age yeah. where you're impressionable, you're submissive. You're incessant that you need someone. You want love. Yeah. A hooker had suggested kind of early on in their relationship that um, he wanted to do some kind of like bondage acts with her okay. and he wanted to tie her up from a tree with mm-hmm. some handcuffs and for them to kind of like have sex while she was suspended mid-air. On the tree? On the tree. So like on a branch coming off, like handcuffs yes. around it? she'd be like hanging mid-air, suspended, okay. not like tied to the trunk or anything. Yeah, that's like... what I was thinking. Very Robin Hood. Strange, yeah, but like we've said before, kinks are kinks. Whatever you want to do, do it. She didn't want to, okay, but Hooker had kind of said, All the other girls that I've had sex with in the past have been fine with this, like, it's not a weird thing, you'd do it if you loved me. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. So she agreed, Mm -hmm. and she later recalled that it really hurt her, and she was really frightened. But she just went through with it because she wanted him to oh, love her. Poor baby. Poor baby girl. So as their relationship 
progressed. Mm -hmm. He became more kind of aggressive with his sexual behaviour. By the time that they'd got married, which was only a couple of years later, his sadomasochistic, I can never say this word, sadomasochistic behaviour had begun to include whipping her with Mm -hmm. different implements Mm -hmm. and choking her, which again, she's not into any of this. She doesn't want to do it. It does nothing for her. But she really wants him. It's not even... She wants to make him happy. Yeah. It's not even she loves him so much that she'd do anything. It's not even that. Yeah. So she wants someone there for her. And she's scared that if she doesn't do what he wants, he's just going to leave her. Yeah. At one point, during their kind of like bonded sex acts... Mm -hmm. He'd submerged her underwater to the point where it was for so long it almost killed her. But again, he's getting off on this. He thinks this is really sexy. She's terrified. As you would be. You would. Even if that is your thing. I if think it's got a that difference. near. Yeah. And also, how do you... I know, like, safe words and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If your head is underwater, what do you do? Yeah. It's... Yeah, I've never, I can't speak from experience, I've never been in this position. Yeah. But it must be difficult when you're trying to go along with something for someone else. Yeah. You feel like you can't say no, but you're, it's such a detriment that mm-hmm. you're almost killing yourself. Yeah. After they got married, she knew that she couldn't go on with all of these different kind of whipping, choking. Yeah this aggressive behaviour. But then she's secure with a marriage that maybe she tries to back off. Yeah, she tries to rein it in a little bit. They're married now, you can't just walk away. So she starts to think of kind of schemes and plans of how can I get him to stop doing this to me? So she thinks, if I become pregnant, he isn't going to risk hitting me, drowning me, if we're going to have a child. Yeah. So they start talking about it. And she's like, oh, I would love to have kids with you. Like, I think this is the perfect time. We're married now. We live together. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. He instantly thinks, but what about all this kinky sex? Oh. He's not like, oh, my God. I'd Janice, love to have a child. Yes, I'd love to have a yeah. child with you. He's like, well, I can't hit you anymore. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. What a dick. Just what in... What in life makes you think that way? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's that your own like sexual gratification comes above like this family yeah. and her well-being. Mm-hmm. What a dick! So they have a conversation about this, mm-hmm. and it leads to them making a contract. Oh, very Fifty Shades. Indeed. Actually, I haven't seen it, but I get the gist. Just don't. <laughs> Advice I've been given multiple yeah. times. So their contract stemmed from a fantasy that Hooker had been having for quite a while, mm-hmm. where he would be able to have a sex slave who couldn't say no. So it wasn't like... So he knew Janice was doing it because she, she loved him. Okay. He wanted someone who oh, so someone could not say no. Yes. Right. So, 
in their contract, mm-hmm. they decide that he can bring someone else into their relationship mm-hmm. to do all the whipping, drowning, hitting, tying up, all of this weird abusive behaviour mm-hmm. because it's not particularly done with consent, it's done out of fear. Yeah. But to Janice's point, she doesn't want him to engage in full sexual activity with a woman who isn't her. Okay. Because it is, it's a show of affection as well, having sex with somebody. She doesn't want to know that that emotion and passion and like... Is being shared with someone else. Yes. Yeah. So she doesn't want the abuse, but she still wants them to be kind of sexually intimate together. And this sex slave, so to speak, may be absolutely consensual in what he's doing. Yeah, they could find someone who likes that element of thing. Yeah. And then they have normal sex with each other. Okay. So, two years after they get married, they've made this agreement. They've had a child. Mm -hmm. It's now the 19th of May, 1977. 20-year-old Colleen Stan is hitchhiking from Oregon to California. She's going to a friend's birthday party. Okay. She considers herself an expert hitchhiker. Okay. She does it a lot. Yeah. She knows when a ride is safe and when it isn't. Okay. She deems herself a really good judge of character. She wouldn't get into a situation she thought was dangerous. Yeah. On this particular day, when she was hitchhiking, two cars have already gone past to offer her a lift, and she has declined because they're not quite who she'd normally get a lift from. Okay. She's very particular. As you should be, because it was dangerous back then. As you should. So, she starts to see that a blue van is coming along the road, and she kind of, I've never hitchhiked. I assume you put your hand out and you're As like, do I, hey, yeah. pick me up. She looks into the van, and she mm-hmm. sees a man driving. That's usually not who she'd get a lift with. Mm-hmm. But then she notices that there's a woman sat next to him in the passenger seat with a baby. Right. And she thinks they're perfectly safe to travel with. That's the age-old thing, though, isn't it? People yes. will get... It, it was the same with, like, Myra Hindley. Yes, people trust a woman when you can be just as sick and twisted. Yeah, absolutely, and that's been shown by so many people. Mm-hmm. But way back when, if there was a guy with a woman... You'd be like, and, oh, yeah. you can't be a man. And if they had a child, even more so, because yeah. what sick human would take a child out with them mm-hmm. when doing things like that? You would think. You would think. You would think. Uh. So she gets in. They start kind of chatting. They seem like a perfectly normal family. Mm-hmm. He tells her that they need to stop for gas. So she gets out, stretches her legs, goes to the bathroom at a gas station of all places, and then gets back in the car or in the van. When she does, mm-hmm. she notices a makeshift kind of BDSM head box. So I had to look up what this was because... Um, you'd be surprised to know BDSM isn't my specialty. Oh. So I actually had to Google what this was. Oh, see, I'm just... You already know. Yeah. No, You're I'm there. joking, Mum, if you listen. <laughs> Jenny, she's not... She's not... Um, what's it called? Like a dominatrix? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Denny. Um Also, no, Mum. <laughs> it's... The strangest thing, I'll try and Google, oh, it took some weird Google searching. Um, yeah, we on private. Yeah. <laughs> so it is literally a wooden box 
but you're kind of also tied into position. Okay. Some of the other ones are horrific. Yeah. Like the first result that comes up. As we said before, what you want to do is absolutely what you want to do as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. <laughs> um, that's just not what we're into. We've just seen some strange imagery. Yeah. So, um, she sees one of those yes. in the back seat. Okay. Which, to be fair, if I've seen that, I don't think I'd know what that was. Well, she didn't quite know what it was. Mm-hmm. But it had just kind of appeared. And it wasn't as if it had kind of rolled out from underneath her like, passenger seat. Yeah. It had been put on the seat next to her. Okay. So she didn't want to mention anything. She thought, oh, maybe it's... I don't know what I would think that is. If I saw a wooden box on all sides... Attached to a pole, unchained, yeah. with handcuffs. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't know ask. either. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask. In a stranger's van, mm-hmm. It's best ask. not to. Yeah. I just wouldn't mention it. So she didn't. Mm-hmm. They get back in the car, on the van. They keep driving. But then Colleen notices that rather than continuing on the road that they should to California, they veer off mm-hmm. onto a more remote road. Oh. Mm. Red flag. The head box is a red flag. Yeah. This one, get out of the van. Yeah. So he pulls over into a field mm-hmm. and Janice gets out of the car with the child and starts to just walk away. And at this point, Colleen starts yeah, to panic. That's the safety blanket just tucked yeah. away there. She's gone. So at this point, Hooker now gets into the back of the van with Colleen mm-hmm. and at knife point binds and gags her before forcing her into the box contraption. Uh-huh. So when you said mm-hmm. sex slave on the contract, yeah. I had it in my mind that the sex slave was also going to be in on it. Mm. I didn't think it was going to be like a... A kidnapping. Yes. Yes. Makes it much worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, they then drive back to California Mm -hmm. to their home and they take Colleen down into the basement. Mm -hmm. They hang her up, still in their kind of chains and head box, to the rafters in the ceiling. And... She's just being suspended there, and it's pulling on the like joints in her shoulder. Yeah, because they haven't given her anything to stand on. Oh, so she's hanging. She's literally hanging from her neck, like from, from the neck and from the Ooh. like your wrists and your neck. So there's a lot of pain yeah. across like her shoulders and her arm sockets and joints, and understandably she's crying in pain. And she just, all at this point she wants, she wants something to put her feet on Mm -hmm. because it feels like it's being pulled out of the sockets. So instead of doing this, Mm -hmm. what Hooker does is then cuts the clothes off Colleen and starts to whip her (gasps) with different items and implements and whatever else. This is dark. You are not lying. I wasn't. I do apologise. That's all right. It's not as funny as I am. No, it's interesting though. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though she's been blindfolded and she's got the wooden box, Colleen can kind of see down. Okay. And at one point, when she tries to kind of tilt her head backwards, she can see a coffee table. Okay. And on the coffee table 
is a BDSM magazine. Right. And it's open on a page that shows a woman hung up exactly as she is. Right. Using the same equipment. Mm -hmm. She's tied up in a basement. She knows that this isn't kind of a spur of the moment. This has been planned. Right. That would be petrifying. Yes. She's now also noticed that she's not being whipped anymore. Mm -hmm. She tilts her head back and now she can see the two of them having sex underneath her while she's suspended in the air. That is god awful. Mm -hmm. So he's had his kind of like BDSM fun with her, he's whipped her, he's hurt her. He's like in the moment I guess. He's up and ready, yeah, but he's still got to have sex with Janice. Okay. So, after they've finished having sex, he actually takes her down, mm-hmm. and she thinks, this could be it, this yeah. is over now. No. Okay. He's also constructed a makeshift wooden box that's the size of a coffin, <gasps> and decides that he needs to keep her for all of this kind of kinky sex stuff Uh that he needs to do so still in the box with her hands chained he now chains her feet to the coffin and she's kind of laid in it head box feet and hands chained gagged blindfold in the coffin awful yeah the next day he takes her out of the coffin and Great at DIY, this guy, apparently, because he's made a rack. Do you know where they used to pull people as a form of torture? Yeah. Where you would be kind of stretched. Uh Uh-huh. Well, he's made one of these, like a functioning rack. Can he DIY skills, but such good DIY. Make that your living. Yeah. And not torturing women. That's fucking awful. So... He chains her to the rack Mm -hmm. and she is kind of twisted and he again gets his like pleasure out of this, has sex with Janice, she's just being used for torture. She spends the next week still kept in the basement, she's still naked, she's still blindfolded, gagged and bound and she's still tied to this rack with the head box on for a week. Oh my gosh. For a week. The poor girl must be absent agony. Because at not one point during the day do you get any relief. Yeah. How is the other woman, I know they're all unwell, which is why mm. they're doing that. Oh, well we'll get on to oh, this. Oh, okay, go. So, for the next five months, oh my gosh, he puts Colleen in the coffin, where he lets her out once a day to eat, to go to the bathroom, but she's really closely supervised by him. So even while she's eating, he's there, yeah, making sure that she can't go anywhere. She goes to the bathroom, he's there with her, making sure she's not going to escape. And has she still got the head box on at this point? Yes. So during this time, he's still regularly practicing all this bondage on Colleen, suspending her, but now he's adding things. So he's constricting her breathing 
and kind of crushing her chest so that she can't breathe. He's still whipping her. She's still in the head box. He's tying her to the rack. But now he's doing different things like shocking her with damaged electrical cords. He's burning her kind of pubic area with like lighters and heat lamps. And again, he's starting to try and drown her. An absolute monster. Yeah. Colleen has estimated that for the first six months that she was with him, he'd whipped her over a hundred times with different, like a hundred different Things. types of whipping. Oh my yeah. gosh. So, in his effort to get Colleen to stay, mm -hmm. he realises that he can't watch her 24-7. They've got a child. He does actually have a job. He works at a lumber mill, which I think is why he's so good with wood. Yeah. And it's not feasible to keep someone captive 24 hours a day. So he said to keep her. Like, so he wants to find out a way to make her happy in what's going on. Okay, so if he hasn't held her captive for the past six months. Yeah. Okay. So this is where he introduces the company. Okay. So Hooker tells Colleen of an underground organisation called The Company that buys and sells slaves and tortures people who try and escape the company. Okay. It's like a big kind of conspiracy. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. She's now part of the company. Right. He told her that, a bit like, have you ever seen, is it called The Truman Show? I've not seen it. Oh. Is it like a sex slave kind of situation? <laughs> no, it's a comedy. Oh. <laughs> I think it has Jim Carrey in it. <laughs> the one time I've seen a film and you haven't. Yeah, no. <laughs> Essentially, it's this guy, his whole life is a TV show, but uh -huh. he doesn't know and everyone else does. Does he end up in a boat at the end of it? Yes. Yes, I have seen it. Fantastic. So, similar to that, he is telling her, in your life, nobody is just a stranger. Everybody is part of a company. Their members are everywhere. They're constantly watching you for signs of escape. That's terrifying. Yep. He regularly threatens her and tells her that in anything you do wrong, company can see you at all times. They can also see your family. Mm. They can see everybody and they're going to fuck you up. Jesus. Mm -hmm. He was really clever in that he reinforced this story in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. So in January of 1978, Janice went to hospital for like routine knee surgery that she needed. Mm -hmm. But she came home with a knee brace on and Hooker used this to his advantage and told Colleen that... Janice is also a slave who once tried to escape from her master and she got caught, mm -hmm. the company found her, tortured her and it damaged her leg. Which is why she has a cast on. Yeah. He's very clever. Yeah, very manipulative. So much so that through all of this manipulation, mm -hmm. He presents Colleen with a contract 
similar to the kind of contract he's made with his wife Janice, mm -hmm. he actually writes up a contract and gets her to sign it. And essentially it says that she's his slave mm -hmm. and a lot of the words that are used is things like he owns her soul. Oh. So it's not just like you have to submit to me, you have to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's really intense. I own your existence. I own your soul. Very heavy yeah. shit. But she signs it. You wouldn't not, would you? No. And she believes that once she's signed into this contract and once she's a part of the company, mm -hmm. she doesn't have to be tied up anymore. Right. She lives with them. She's part of their company. Right. She's one of them. It's very elaborate, but it makes so sense. So after she signs the contract, she's now been renamed, she's called Kay. Okay. As part of the company, she's been given a new name. She's now allowed upstairs. Mm-hmm. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> she has to call Hucker Master. She has to call Janice Ma'am. So they're like her... She's their subordinate. Right. Kind of thing. And as a sign of their... They're all quite happy about it. Mm -hmm. As a like, congratulations and a welcome into our version of the company. Yeah. They get her a collar that goes around Colleen's neck mm -hmm. as a symbol of like they own her now. Okay. But this collar, due to all the really intense like whipping, drowning, crushing, it breaks. Okay. They get her a replacement, and that breaks as well. That must be some intense, yeah, intense torturing. But then Hooker needs her to have a constant reminder mm -hmm. of the company because he knows that this is a really delicate game mm -hmm. and that he has to fully make her invest in the company. Yeah. So he decides that a necklace isn't good enough. He finds and sharpens an earring and pierces it through her labia. <gasps> So that she has a constant <laughs> reminder, for mm -hmm. lack of a nicer way to put this, that she belongs to him. That's awful. Sick. So, for the first kind of couple of years that she's been part of their company, mm -hmm. he doesn't have sex with Colleen. He stayed true to his word. They're all in this contract together. They're one happy company. Yeah. He doesn't have sex with her. In February, which is a month after she signed the contract, yep. he has sex with Colleen while Janice is there watching. Oh. Strangely, Janice had actually suggested this, saying, it might excite me to see you have sex with our slave. Oh, okay. Oh, it so didn't. she's like fully on it now. She's... she's also invested in the company. Oh, so she believes it too. Yes. They're both being really badly manipulated. What on earth? Yeah. So she, again, I think she still has this seed of doubt, mm -hmm. but she's so submissive and she wants, she wants to believe in this. She wants the, like, I don't know what the word is. She just wants that confirmed. She wants to know that she's loved and appreciated and part of this company. Right. She's like, oh, yeah, um, if you have sex with her and I'll watch, it'll really turn me on. It doesn't. So 
afterwards she kind of says to Hooker, I don't think I liked that. Okay. And he only stops having sex with her for a little bit. Okay. So they then all decide to move house. Mm-hmm. Because if she's going to live with them, they need a bigger place to stay. Okay. So they move to a mobile home. I don't know where they were living before, but this is kind of an improvement. Okay. So, I assumed since it had like a basement and all that, it was quite house. like a grand house, yeah? Yeah, I don't think so. Oh. So Colleen willingly moves with them. One of the new things that they introduce is a waterbed. Okay. And the waterbed is bleh, bleh. the waterbed is where he and Janice sleep, but with his ungodly carpentry skills, he builds a frame for the bed to go on, mm -hmm. that it actually doubles up as a, another wooden coffin for Colleen. Oh, She's like, woo, I get a new coffin, yay! Right next to them, yeah. in their waterbed. Uh-huh. Lovely. So, for the rest of that whole year, in 1978, Colleen only lives in the box. I can't believe how long that's been going on for. They do let her out of the box at night, mm -hmm. and they weirdly kind of eat together, but inside of the box, she's only allowed a toilet paper, a bedpan, a radio, and all day, every day, she's just in the box under the bed. That's so strange. Mm -hmm. I mean, none of this is normal, but... What's even weirder is in September of the same year, Hooker's still having sex with his wife, Janice, mm -hmm. And she gets pregnant. Oh. And she's at home giving birth on the waterbed while Colleen is just in the bed underneath, in the coffin, while a woman is giving birth above her. A couple of years later, they allow Colleen to go and visit her family. Oh. So he's now so confident mm -hmm. and so up himself. He's like, I've got these women under control. They'll do whatever I want. I can even let them go and they'll come and running come back. back. Yeah. So in 81, she goes to visit her family and she doesn't say anything because she's still so terrified that the company are going to find out. Mm -hmm. Because he even said... The amount of manipulation going yeah. into that. He even said, the company watch your family. The company could be your family. Yeah. You don't know. So she's too scared to say anything. When her family see her, they're confident that she's involved in a cult. She's wearing handmade clothes. She doesn't have any money. She's been gone for years. Yeah. And when she turns up, she doesn't say, I've been kidnapped and I've been in a box for five years. Yeah, or even doesn't say where she's been. Yeah. So they think, cult. Mm hmm Which it kind of is, yeah. in a way. Three-man cult. Yeah. A, a one-man cult where he's got two women yeah. under control. They didn't particularly want to pressure her to say anything because mm -hmm. they don't want her to just disappear again. So they're like, oh, it's so great to see you. Like, we'd like to see you more. Mm -hmm. So the next day, she comes back mm -hmm. and she brings Hooker with him. And he has the arrogance to say that he's her boyfriend. They're really in love. That's why she hasn't been back to see them, because it's just whirlwind romance. Uh, we moved in, we're so in love. Honeymoon period, never ending. Yeah. Colleen said that she was happy to see her family, 
but she was very nervous. They wanted to take a photograph of her and Hooker together. Mm-hmm. So they do. And there's a photo of them both stood next to each other, like, grinning. Like, oh, happy couple, we're, we're so, so in love. love. Yeah. He's now scared he's given her too much freedom. Even though he was so confident. He's like, oh, we can't keep going around to her families every week for Cindy and her pretending that I'm her boyfriend. I need to shut this down. Okay. So she's back in the box under the bed. That's sad. Yeah. She's then there for the next three years. Oh. 23 hours a day, she's in the box under the bed. So it's now been seven years of her being... It is like a hostage situation. Yeah. Even though she's free to leave... She doesn't can't realise what's going on. Yeah. So now their kids are getting a little bit older. It's not the usual kind of family situation. I forgot about the kids. They're not particularly involved in the kidnapping, yeah. so why would you? Fair enough. <laughs> um, he did actually tell the children that Kay had gone home. Because obviously they would have oh, seen her at some yeah. point. Yeah when she was allowed to live upstairs. Uh-huh. So the excuse to the children is she's gone home to be with her family. So she is now in the box, has to lie there for 23 hours a day in the dark. There's no air holes, so she really struggles to oh. breathe. She can't make any noise. During the summer, with it being California, they live in quite a hot area, the temperature in the box is rising to over 40 degrees. And she's just stuck there. That poor woman. Yeah. So, in 1983, which is two years later, mm-hmm. he gets a bit cocky again. Okay. And he reintroduces Kay to the children. Kay's back! Yay! Okay. She starts to meet the neighbours. He even lets her get her job mm-hmm. to earn money for the family. She has to pay away. But what, <laughs> what puzzles me is if you go to a job interview... And they're like, oh, we noticed you haven't had a job for seven years. It's been going what on, okay. What have you been doing? Okay. I've, um, I've been under someone's bed, <laughs> been uh, tied up in the basement. What have you learned from that, okay? What skills and life experience do you have? So she gets a job as a maid at a hotel. And he is now so confident. He's kind of always edging a little bit forwards of, like, how far can I push this boundary okay and then gets scared and reins it back in right so now that he's got her working as a maid he's getting income through that happy family kids are all living together again he decides that he wants stan not stan she's called colleen stan he wants colleen to marry him okay he wants to have two wives ah so he's like developed feelings for her or is he just a controlling man? He just wants more control. Okay. So, this has now really upset Janice. Mm-hmm. Because all along, her understanding and their contract yeah. was, this is just someone that you torture. You're still my husband. You still have sex with me. We're still married. Yeah. This is just so you don't hurt me. Yeah. So now... She's obviously emotionally hurt mm-hmm. that her husband 
would want to marry this sex slave. Janice also said that from their very first date, mm -hmm. she believes that she's been tortured, brainwashed. She starts to tell Colleen that over the years, he calls her a whore, he's been treating her manipulatively yeah. to try and make Colleen realise what's going on. In August, Janice really starts to struggle and is starting to feel a lot of guilt about the situation that she's got them both in. Ten years late, but okay. Yeah, far too late, Janice, yeah. in my opinion. Also a very religious lady. Really? Really religious. Which makes me think, how has this not dawned on you earlier that this is wrong? Yeah. And I get that it's all the manipulation. Yeah. And maybe I'm wrong to think this, but it just surprised me that she was such a religious woman. Who religious people normally are thought to have a very like strong sense of being wow, and, and yeah, absolutely. Mm, I made me uncomfortable. Yeah. So she starts to try and tell Colleen, we are not part of the company. Okay. There is no company. She's trying to tell her. She starts by saying it's all a lie, mm -hmm. but then realises that Colleen is so far in, she's not going to believe that. Right. So then does try and tell her, okay, it does exist, but we're not in it. Right. Like, we don't have to be careful, no one's watching us, don't worry about it. Okay. So, Colleen instead of going to work, goes to a bus station the next day mm -hmm. after they've had this long conversation where she kind of half believed Janice, half didn't mm -hmm. about this whole situation. She goes to a bus station, calls Hooker and says, look, I'm going to leave. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm fairly certain we're not the company I'm going. And Strange he, that she would even ring him. to say that, yeah. Well, he bursts into tears on the phone. So she gets a bus and goes home. Like, back to him. Because he's so distraught at the idea that he's losing her. Yeah. She thinks it's really real. It's like, I don't want back. them to hurt you. Come back. God. Don't let this happen. So she does. She then goes back to her family and doesn't call the police, doesn't say anything. It seems mm -hmm. like everything might have stopped. He doesn't try and contact her again. Ah, oh, so like she's back home away from yeah. him now? So she goes back to him, uh -huh. he cries and he does all this, like, oh, I don't want them to hurt you. She's like, bye. Okay. Goes back to her family and it seems like that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. No, it's not, because Janice still feels that strong Catholic guilt of doing the wrong thing. So three months after Colleen leaves, she calls the police to say that her husband's kidnapped someone. This has got to be like ten years later, over ten years later, right? It absolutely is. <laughs> so she tells the detective of the Red Bluff Police that her husband had kidnapped, tortured 
and murdered a different woman. So she actually informs police, he's done this before. And he had murdered a woman named Mary Elizabeth Spanhake, who had disappeared in 1976. So that was a year after they met, right? A year after they met and a year before they kidnapped Colleen. Just trying to find the time. Yeah, so she'd reported that he had kidnapped her, torched her, but subsequently, subsequently quite quickly killed her. Okay. They weren't able to find her body, they didn't have any proof, no murder charge was ever brought forward. But then they bring Janice in for kind of more interviews and more questioning, and she testifies against her husband mm -hmm. in exchange for full immunity of what they've been doing to Colleen. He is then sentenced to a consecutive prison term, totaling over 104 years in prison for sexual assault, kidnapping, using a weapon. He's now, or he was, ineligible for parole mm -hmm. until 2023. Okay. But then he had that moved forwards to 2015. Okay. He was denied parole. Good. Which is good. But he's eligible again in 2030. The nice thing, mm -hmm. or the happy ending to this story, yeah. if you will, is that after Colleen testifies, explains everything that's happened, she tries to get her life back on track. Okay. She studies for an accounting degree. She tried to move on, but she could never quite shake what had happened. Yeah. She goes through a failed marriage. She has a child who ends up in jail. Nothing goes particularly right for her. Yeah. So she decides to abandon that. And she is now a volunteer for a women's refuge centre where she organises help for abused women. So she's now like a victim's rights advocate. She's now helping women escape. How she's been able to turn that around. It's mad, isn't it? Janice has removed all traces ever being married to him. She's gone back to her like unmarried name. Mm -hmm. And she's now a social worker and a mental health professional, helping other people deal with being manipulated. They both live in California, and confusingly enough, they live quite close to each other, uh -huh. but they do not communicate. No. I think, how could you live that? I, as a human, would not want to be anywhere near where that happened to me. Wow. Mm-hmm. It upsets me that he, in 2030, is so easily up for parole mm -hmm. when you know with something like that, first of all, if he's killed someone beforehand or if that was made up or whatever, he's going to come out and the first thing he's going to want to do is something very similar. Mm -hmm. I would be very shocked if someone could change their ways on something that is driven by sexual gratification. Yeah. Because as a human, you always need that. To the point where, like we talked about, nothing else in his life matters like he didn't care about work progression or having a family or anything mm -hmm. his first thought at all times is that i need to have really aggressive violent sex yeah that's so dangerous mm -hmm. so you should have had 104 years mm -hmm. 2030 is not that far away no it's not especially from 
when it was. He's only been in jail like 30 years now. Yeah, so his... The beginning of his sentence was... 85. Okay, so that's 35 years from yeah. now. Out of 104. And he was up for parole after 30 years. Yeah. Blows my mind, the justice system. Indeed. Yeah. Good one. I like that one. Is that one you'd heard of before? Or is that a random Reddit? No, that was a Reddit deep dive by accident. How do you how do you do it? Oh, it was a title of like woman trapped in box for seven years and I was like, excuse me. Oh, so you've seen it. Yeah. And then went for it. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Because I was just reading as I do on the Unsolved Mysteries page yeah. about kind of different kidnappings and things. And then one of them was like, Oh, this reminds me a little bit of the story of the woman trapped in the box and I was like Tell me more. What? And I, yeah, I just fall down a rabbit hole of... That's so interesting. And that woman, what an amazing woman that's been able to do that. Because not a lot of people would. No. Because she could have easily... Everything had gone back to normal. She had a husband, her kids. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to call the police. Yeah. She's still being manipulated. It must have taken so much strength to be like, no, it's now my time to say what's actually happened. Yeah. Anything fun or anything you've enjoyed this week? Um, I watched the entirety of The Stranger on Netflix in one day. Okay. Have you seen it? I have not. Uh, have you watched... It's made by the same writer, so they're actually books. Oh. Did you watch um, Safe on Netflix? Yes. With Michael C. Hall? Dexter. Yes. Yes. Dexter. <laughs> So it's by the same people okay. and all of his books and all of the like TV shows he makes from them have a really similar feel okay. of like plot twist kind of... Yeah, because you didn't know which way was left on that when yeah. you were watching Safe. Exactly the same with The Stranger. Mm-hmm. A little bit disappointed about the final episode. Okay. Because it easily could have been... They had so many different narratives all woven together. Yeah. It didn't answer a lot of the questions I had. Oh. Which I don't think you would like. No. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when they can be answered. Yes. Like, in a fictional setting. Yeah. Why haven't you covered all the bases? Why don't I know everything you know? Some of them just got a bit, like, swept under the rug when there wasn't Mm. enough time left in the episode. But, still, a good watch. I would recommend. I will watch it. Anything from you? Not really been on there, watching anything. I um, fell down the rabbit hole of watching Supernatural. Supernatural? I haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Mm. I started watching it just last week. I am now on season three. <laughs> Which is, it's just because whatever I'm doing, I'll just have something on in the background because mm-hmm. I hate silence. Um, so even when I'm sitting doing uni work, as long as I'm not like learning anything, as long as I'm like typing or yeah. sorting things out, I just got it on in the background. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it actually. Mm-hmm. It's still going now. It's on like season fifteen. No way. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's really enjoyable. And I started watching it when Mum and Dad were away, and Alex was on night shift, and I was like in the kitchen, and I like looked. And we've got like a window in the back of the kitchen into the pitch black garden. And I was just like, mm, should probably stop watching this while I'm alone. 
I'd recommend it, mind. It's not what I'm normally used to. Yeah. But I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, I started watching The Pharmacist as well. Oh, I haven't started that. Well, the kid dies from prescription drugs. Yes. So it's about like the... It starts off with a guy who is the pharmacist. Who is... Like his son um, is murdered. Yeah. And it starts off... I'm only up to maybe episode two or three. It starts off with him finding out who killed his son. Yes. Um, and he's then he finds out through this about something else that's happening, about this doctor who's prescribing people drugs, very much like Harold Chipman, where she's just known for yeah. it. Um, and it's about his, like, wage in this war. Them. Yeah. Um, and it's this war that he has on her, like, trying to stop this all from happening, oh. from what I'm aware of. Um, but next week I'll tell you what the ending's like. Ooh. I've heard it's very good. Sweet, so thank you for listening this week. Um, Hope you've enjoyed our really morbid stories. Yeah, maybe go watch a comedy or yeah, something to it. maybe just lighten it Don't up. listen to comedy podcast. Uh, Shag Married Annoyed, that's my recommendation. Absolutely hilarious. Um, and it's got some really funny, funny stories, quite disgusting, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. Give it a listen. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you really enjoyed. We really want this podcast to do well. So if you could leave a review in iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, wherever you listen, we would really appreciate it. If you like us and you want to see a little bit more of what we do and kind of how we operate and how we work, we've got our Instagram page, which is we are underscore foliadeur. And we also put on photos of the things that we talk about each episode, which is really quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guys, check it out. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.